Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. Marley Batanzi and Patrick Kiyote drop by on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. We discuss what the Broncos' projected offensive depth chart could look like in a too early preview. And we discuss rookie expectations plus the NFL PA side of things when it pertains to injuries. Because Mario, we all know, works on players. He gets a little bit of insight as to how players feel about that. So we're going to obviously share our thoughts on that. Not to mention Shelby Harris touched on it in his newest podcast that he dropped on today's brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network. You can subscribe to the channel on YouTube to get it in daily video content and also follow it on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. But I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Senior NFL Analyst and Director of Video Content at Pro Football Network and Broncos Analyst for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos. And shoot my guys, Mario Vitanzi, Patrick Kiyote, follow as well, at Mile High Mario, at Patrick Kiyote. Gentlemen, happy Friday. Good to see you. It's been a while, and uh, very excited to have you back here on the show. You know, familiar faces all throughout the season. That's going to be the expectation. But uh, Mario, my man, good to see you. Patrick, how are you guys doing? It's always so nice when Patrick can join us now. You know, he's he's been big time in us for a while. You know, he's, he's snapping necks and cashing checks, bro. So I can't, like, super be mad at him. Like, if anything, it's jealousy. You know, Pat's out there running his town, and, you know, you got to do what you got to do, baby. Tiger blood. Way to go, hey, Pat. But I'm his, glad you're finally here. We're his only fans here, so that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> you're the but, only uh, fans guys. that Pat <laughs> really needs. Pat, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. High school football is starting back up. We had our first offensive meeting the other day, so – Things are looking good. Things are looking good. Really just kind of a, a discussion. Let's jump right into it, fellas. Shelby Harris debuted a brand new podcast called Shell Shockey and Brandon Cristal of KOA. They launched it on iHeartRadio. And I listened to the first episode. And one of the biggest topics of discussion, I, I think, pertaining to Denver outside of quarterback talk, as we always hear on uh, the Twitter sphere and all these other websites, uh, is that the NFL PA side of things, obviously the Broncos cutting Juwan James, not have to pay him $10.58 million. Same thing with the, uh, Deshaun Hamilton on the reserve NFI list. I wanted to talk about this because Shelby was even saying this. He says the frustrating part about it, because Shelby hasn't been at phase two of the offseason program for the reason that the NFLPA has said, and I agree with him. I think that it's very risky, the language that they're proposing. And basically it's saying that, hey, don't show up to your offseason program because if you get hurt, um, you know, there, there's nothing we can do for you. Essentially, the NFLPA is encouraging players not to show up, but if you don't work out, on your own time away and you show up out of shape, you can get cut. You can get released. There's guarantees based on being in playing shape and, and also just being in physical shape as well. And Shelby mentioned that for Juwan James, he was, he got hurt doing something to prepare for the football season. So the optics of it, according to NFL players is not good, which is why we saw so many Broncos back at the, at the team facility this past week, obviously no Brandon McManus this week, no Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons. I mean, all for these reasons, I think are very valid as to why players shouldn't show up for this part because you had to protect your best interest. So let's say Shelby Harris was working out away from the team facility. He gets hurt. Denver, if they really wanted to, depends on how they view him. Obviously, they view him very high because they signed him to an extension. They can say, hey, we're not going to pay you. And he, it, it could be done just like that. Uh, Mario, just wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know Patrick and I have talked about this in depth about Jawan James and Deshaun Hamilton. But I want to get your thoughts because you're a guy who works on players, especially when they're dealing with injuries, when they're coming off of injuries. 
and just to keep their body right throughout the season to prevent injuries. What are your thoughts on this? The language has to change at some point, right? Like, I understand that these are the rules that are in place and they're not going to have to pay Juwan James. And the, the language makes no sense. Everything that they have in place right now, the structure of everything, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, just from my standpoint, obviously, we try and encourage these guys to come in you know, as often as possible, we, we try and get them like once a week in the offseason when they're doing football activities, you know, maybe twice a week during the actual season with, you know, other things mixed in, like different treatments that we offer at our office. Uh, and you're starting to see why. And I think this is something that it, it, it's just hard to describe, man, you know, because you, you these guys see these dudes get hurt. Like they see Deshaun and Juwan. And all of a sudden, like something clicks, they're like, man, I, I got to start taking better care of my body. I got to start watching what I'm doing here. I got to start watching what I'm doing here. So believe it or not, we have seen a big influx of people coming in where at this part of the season of our office, we'll get guys coming in here and there. But now it's in the past couple of weeks since all of this has been going down. A lot more guys are coming in and it's like, yeah, I should be happy about that from a professional standpoint, but I don't want that to be the reason, you know, it's a shame that something like that happened, like the cause and effect in order to get to where we were. But all I have, like, all I can do is stay ready, man. And the only thing that I could recommend is do, do what your agent tells you. Okay. The agents know the ins and outs of all of this language. Like, this is the thing, like when Juwan got hurt, I don't think that he knew that he wasn't going to be covered. He didn't know that the team wasn't going to actually owe him anything. And that problem starts with the NFLPA. I don't make enough money to pretend to be able to solve these problems. All I know is that changes have to be made. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's now like patient zero. So now the whole league is paying attention. They're like, hold on. If I get hurt doing my own thing, I'm not going to get paid. So if that's the this, if that's the spark that needs to happen to elicit change, then so be it. And it's just a shame that Juwan had to be that guy. But, I mean, I can't say it enough, man. Something has to change because – it's not, it's not like he's doing something else, right? I, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember years ago, Ryan Clady had, I think, torn his ACL or did something playing basketball. basketball. Yep. And that's completely different. It's like if you're doing something like that, yeah, man, like maybe there's something in your contract that's like if you're doing other stuff, then they're not going to be covered. But if you're training for the football season and you're trying to make sure that you're in shape, especially because he missed the year before and now he's being punished, I get that those are the rules. The rules are wrong and they need yep. to be changed. I agree with you, and and that's really the player standpoint too. And, and you know, for Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, those guys just secured the bag, and and obviously this is the, an important part for them. You know, they're more than likely, I anticipate, will be probably be at the mandatory uh, mini camp OTAs that the offense and the veterans have to attend. I imagine they'll, we'll see they'll them be come back the, there. They'll be at the ones that they actually need to be required. Be at, right? Everything right now is still voluntary. I mean, at look this at point. look, yeah, look at the guys that aren't there. You said Justin Simmons, Shelby, Shelby Harris. They know the defense, man. Ken, yeah. uh, Kyle Fuller's <laughs> not there. Bryce Callahan's not. There, Kareem Jackson's not there. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater's not there either. Teddy, you know? and and I think that he had had some like like personal issues or whatever. But yeah, that's the thing. The defensive players that aren't there, they know the system. And honestly, it feels to me like the reason that Von Miller's out is that it's just for social media, so they could trot him out and be like, "Look how healthy Von Miller is now. Von Miller is ready to go. He's back, raring like blah blah blah." You know, the all the nomenclature and everything else. Von not doesn't to mention that five hundred thousand dollars, and Shelby said it too. Bro, like, five, guys have workout bonuses. Five hundred k for five hundred k for Von is like fifty bucks for me. That would be nice, though, right? But Shelby Harris <laughs> even said nice too. Change. Players would be dumb to leave that type of money on the table. If you have a workout bonus, go get it. That's free money, right? Because nothing in this in this world is guaranteed, obviously, as we've seen with these players. So, But can we, we acknowledge how yeah. stupid it is? Like The fact that they have to tempt grown men 
who do this for a living with that much money just to get them to show up for a workout. Yeah. And they're not doing like any crazy football stuff, right? Like they are going as, as low key as possible, like without coming to a complete standstill. And they're giving money that it's like, don't you think that if they have to tempt dudes with that much money, they understand how silly these workouts are? It's a wild concept. But, gentlemen, we're going to actually get into another conversation coming up here in just a moment regarding a projected way too early Broncos depth chart. But before we do that, folks, I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, betonline.ag. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and the NBA playoffs begin this week, and you can track all the action at Bet Online, you get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NHL, NBA, and UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. But now we got to get into a conversation here, gentlemen, on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. We see all these projected depth charts, right? I know it's phase two of the offseason program, but it's always nice to kind of get our two early projections of what the Broncos' offensive depth chart could look like. So I put together a little bit of a tab here, a little bit of a formula for what it could be. And I'm open to your feedback because this is – Debatable. This is what I want to talk about. Um, and so right now, based on the information that we have, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, they're going to have that 50-50 split in quarterback competition. I firmly believe that if Drew comes out and just plays better, even in training camp, I think he's going to to win the job. I think he's going to win that. So I want to know your thoughts, first and foremost, on the quarterback competition, because this is kind of the position on the depth chart that's really kind of up for debate at this point. Well, I think Drew comes in with – the upper hand in this case. He This is his second year in the offense. Teddy Bridgewater just got traded over from Carolina. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater takes care of the football a little better than Drew Locke did in his playing time, but I think that Drew still has the upper hand as far as learning the system and, and knowing what to do in this offense right now, and I think that he will be the guy going into week one. I think that it, it could be a, a staunch camp battle, but I think at the end, Drew is going to be the guy that comes away victorious. Teddy, Teddy is a, a veteran, right? He, he's been in camp battles before. He, he's, he knows how to do this, but Drew has everything that he needs. He's going into his second year with this same offensive system. He's spent the offseason getting better at learning verbiage, getting better at just learning the ins and outs of this offense. So I think he comes in and takes that job uh, handily, not easily, but handily. I think, okay. I think that he definitely wins it. All right. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think it depends. I think it depends on their mindset, right? We already know everything that there is to know about Teddy Bridgewater. We know his ceiling. We know his floor. We, you know, kind of know what to expect. Granted, like he has a lot of weapons. And when he was on a good team in the New Orleans Saints and he had a good defense behind him and good weapons in front of him, the dude won football games. But if you're going to compare Drew Locke to Teddy Bridgewater, I think it's going to be an open competition in camp. And do you want a guy with a potentially higher ceiling? And I think that's what they're going to have to determine because Teddy Bridgewater obviously has a higher floor. We've seen Teddy's floor and we've arguably seen Drew Locke's floor. Drew's is way lower, right? So if you're just wanting to kind of 
like have a guy that's going to manage the games and kind of stay where you're at. He's not going to win you games, but not necessarily going to lose you games. I think that's exactly why they brought Teddy in because he is the perfect backup quarterback because you know he can come in and make plays and get the job done. But if you're really striving to make sure that Drew Locke can get that next step, it's like, have we forgotten that he's going into his third year? Have we forgotten that he's what not only not even played 20 games in his NFL career yet? And everybody a lot of people so, have forgotten. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think they've forgotten. They just choose to leave that out because it doesn't fit their narrative. But that's another discussion for another day. Bottom line is Drew Locke's ceiling is higher than Teddy Bridgewater's right now. I think that the expectations are much higher and they need to be. So if Drew Locke ends up winning the job, I like to me, Teddy Bridgewater was the best security blanket of all time. Drew Locke is going to start, and if we see the same kind of struggles that we saw last year where he's not stepping up into the pocket, he's kind of drifting to his right, he's throwing off his back foot, he's not going through his progressions, he's kind of throwing the ball up for grabs, Teddy can come in and he will take over the team and do just fine. But the thing is, you want Drew Locke to be able to take that next step because if Teddy starts and you don't actually find out what you have in Drew, that is a huge cut to what you're trying to build as a franchise, right? Because what if you were to stick with him and he does make that leap? He, like, I know people don't like when you compare him to Josh Allen, they're different dudes. What if he makes a Josh Allen-esque leap into his third year? Then you have to go with Drew Locke, but you're never going to see that come to fruition potentially if Teddy Bridgewater is starting. So to me, they brought Teddy in to be the ultimate security blanket, but Drew's winning this competition unless something crazy happens. Of course, the last time that I guaranteed that a dude would win a quarterback competition is when Paxton Lynch couldn't win a fixed competition against Trevor Simeon. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll say this. I'll be absolutely shocked if Drew Locke is not the starter week one, pending, of course, an Aaron Rodgers sighting. Yeah, and I know a lot of outlets are really focusing on Rodgers, but I like the fact that we get to break down the actual what's going on with the team right now, who's on the team right now. And I think also Teddy missing some of these reps and Drew being there, I think is going to buy him some good faith. But Drew's got to take that next step. He's got to take reins. And I know that's exactly what George Payton is doing. He's not going to give up on him right away. He wants to give him the ample opportunity to prove it. So far, he's done the work by being at the facility, but the on-field play has to improve. No question about that there. And obviously, I think Brett Rippon uh, you know, will be the backup to uh, Teddy Bridger. I think Brett Rippon's going to be a career backup, but he's going to be a good a good player to have in your locker room. And players have so much respect for Rippon already. So we'll touch on that. You know, fullback position, I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an element in the Broncos offense, but because he played that hybrid H-back role, I've got Andrew Beck listed there again. I think that's going to be what we see, unless we see a combination of Noah Fanatite and Albert Okwebonam in that kind of fullback hybrid type position. I'd love to see that. Halfback, this is a big competition um, in, in terms of running back too. And there's a variety of guys. Obviously, Melvin Gordon, he did. He was candid. He did an interview recently. He says he really wants to make Denver home. And so he was really banking on a big-time season this upcoming year. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously dive into that. But to me, that's a little interesting. Javante Williams, obviously a second-round pick. Mike Boone signed a two-year deal. To me, this is how I projected the depth chart going for them. Are there any disagreements that you guys have based on halfback at this point or do you feel like that's going to be what it is? Well, I, I noticed first and foremost that you left Royce Freeman off this list for a good reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, no, I, I think that that's, that's fair to assume that Royce is kind of the odd man out at this point. Sadly, and I love Royce. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Royce Freeman. I respect him a lot. Go Ducks. But I think that it's right to assume that he's going to be gone. I think that Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams will likely be in a similar situation that we've seen in the last couple of years where it's the top two guys are splitting reps. 
Mike Boone, probably going to be more of a special teamer guy, but I, I don't really assume that he's going to get that many reps on on the offense. I think that Javante Williams is going to push Melvin Gordon hard, though. I, I love his running style. I love his ability to catch uh, catch the catch the football on the offense. But I think that he could definitely push Melvin Gordon to get the majority of the reps going into the season, not just half, but the lion's share. Did you see uh, Javante Williams, Sarah Bettinger, a good friend of the show, posted the clip of him against Jeremiah Usu-Koromo, just completely faked him. I mean, I love that. I can run routes. Guy can so, run routes. You love to see it. You love never hasn't had it. that in a back in quite some time. You know, Melvin Gordon's been more so that screen guy or even the swing out of the backfield or the wheel route, but a guy that can catch an out route from four to five and, and be the guy that can run a dig route or not even that, just even an angle route, which is very common now what we see. I like that. And Mike Boone, obviously, I think is going to have a really big chance to, to kind of crack the rotation in terms of a by committee approach. But Mario, do you have any objections to it? No, I and honestly, you know what it's going to come down to, man. What did Melvin Gordon struggle with last year? holding on to the football. If the dude is putting the ball on the ground during training camp or he like, I don't know if he's going to play in the preseason games. Like if he puts the ball in the dirt during the preseason games, or he's having a hard time holding on to that ball, you could argue that he cost him two games last year. And almost, it was almost three, right? Because he could not hold on to the football. So if Javante Williams shows that he's not fumbling, then you can see him start to edge out Melvin Gordon with carries. And I think this is a huge cheer for Melvin because if he lives up to the expectations that they had for him last year, where they were basically force feeding him and he could not even get to a thousand yards. If he puts on another quote unquote show like that, I think they're going to show him the door. And that's exactly why they drafted Javante Williams. And it's completely up to Melvin. The job is Melvin's to lose. The question is whether or not he'll lose it. And I want to bring this up really quick because I saw this and I know on this very podcast, we talked about dudes, you and me, Cody, because Patrick was, busy playing house or whatever it is that he does. Uh, and I said that Lloyd Cushenberry, I thought was going to be, was going to make the biggest leap. That was before the draft, this whole deal where now they have drafted uh, Quinn Miners, who is now everybody's favorite player, right? Homeboys pushing over trees in the forest and, and, and curling like the big water jugs and everything. He's a viral sensation dudes selling shirts and he hasn't even played it down in the NFL, but I, I'm convinced now, man, they drafted him where they did early in the third round to push Kush. This might be one of the most interesting competitions to keep an eye on because of all the competitions that we're going to see. This one might be the biggest question mark right now. Now, obviously, you see a dude like Lloyd Cushenberry. He's a third-round pick. You figure that he's locked in. But if Miner shows that he's stronger and doesn't allow himself to get pushed back into the pocket – He's going to be your day one starter. And, of course, that's a big if. And when I was on the podcast before, Cody, I told you, I think that Kush is going to make that step and he's going to be stronger. And not to be a Drew Locke apologist, okay? Let me just get this out of the way before I say what I need to say. But a lot of the times that he's throwing interceptions, that he's throwing off of his back foot, that he's drifting to the right, Lloyd Cushenberry is getting bullied and pushed into the pocket. So all these people that are like, well, he can't step up into the pocket. It's like, yeah, there's no freaking pocket for him to actually step into. So if that was not a problem, why do you think that this team would draft another center in the third round again? Back-to-back years where they took a center in the third round, that doesn't strike you as odd. You think that maybe they're playing chess and everybody else, like all these other publications that want to blame everything on Drew Locke, maybe they're just playing checkers. Again, Drew's got to clean up his game, obviously, but he can't step up into the pocket if there is not a pocket to step into. 
Thank you. No, I agree. And we're going to continue our conversation, ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment about the rest of the offensive depth chart. We'll talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about the tackle position, the guard position, wide receiver, and tight end. But before we do that, I want to encourage you to check out the Lockdown Nuggets podcast hosted by Adam Matez and Matt Moore, the Denver Nuggets, getting ready tomorrow to host a playoff game against the Portland Trailblazers. Is Nicole Jokic going to come home away with the MVP? I know for him personally, he doesn't care about it, but all of us in Denver, we want him to win the MVP. We'd also like the Nuggets to make it out of round number one. And Adam Matas and Matt Moore do a great job covering the pick-and-roll action of the Denver Nuggets. Now, previously, we just continued our conversation regarding the Broncos' depth chart. We talked on the quarterback position, the halfback position, the fullback hybrid, and then Mario had a great analogy on the offensive line between Luke Cushenberry and Quinn Miners, which I think is definitely something we need to keep an eye on. Uh, coming into training camp, he is learning garden centers we've touched on in Broncos' rookie mini camp. Uh, but one of the other positions I want to talk about, gentlemen, is the guard position, too. And uh, Graham Glasgow last year you know, was a key signing in the offseason for Denver, Last year, though, he dealt with injury after injury, you know, especially with the ankle, the shin, the calf. I mean, these things, you know, they're rough. And he played injured often at times, but when he was healthy, I thought the Broncos did really well with him in there. But obviously, there was no continuity last year on that right side between Glasgow missing games due to injury and then the right tackle position between Elijah Wilkinson, DeMar Dotson, just anybody at that point. There was a different rotation of three different players at tackle last year for Denver at the right side. So these are the positions of focus. Now, I, right now, Bobby Massey is projected to be the starter, according to many publications. I firmly believe, in my own opinion, I feel like Calvin Anderson is going to get a chance to be that guy. Now, yes, there's Cam Fleming. I didn't even add him on here, which I should have. He's definitely one of those options. But Calvin could be a swing left and right tackle. I think that Calvin's going to have an opportunity to be the starter. Uh, but this is just a, a based on projection as to the Broncos' best overall roster right now. So Bobby Massey at right tackle. Um, and then at left tackle, obviously, Garrett Bowles, his backup will be Calvin Dalton Reisner at left guard. Quinn Miners being a depth option there. He kind of playing the Austin Schlotman role where, hey, he's either going to be a guard center on the left side or the right side. And then Natani Muti being the backup to Glasgow on the right side. And, you know, I, I think that Denver has some good options, which this is a good problem to have. You have really good depth. You're too deep. Your three deep is pretty solidified. Uh, really, gentlemen, your quick thoughts on the uh, the tackle position, the guard position before we get to wideouts and tight end. Well, don't forget that Morgan Moses was just made available as a free agent as well. So he may be on the table. They're not going to do that. Come <laughs> on, I, man. I'm just going to throw that out there. No, I, I do think that Calvin and we talked about Leave it in the bin. I had to. I had to. Cody, we, we did talk about this. We talked about Calvin possibly being able to make a big jump in camp. He's had to work with Munchek over the last couple of seasons. And he could be a guy that we see take over that right tackle spot. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that is an, a wide open position. Bobby Massey, Cam Fleming, and Calvin Anderson are going to be the guys that are going at it during camp. So I think that Calvin has a legitimate chance. I think that he's athletic enough to play that right tackle spot. I think he's got the size. He knows the system. He posted on his Twitter a video of him ripping what position? The right tackle position. Right tackle so he is prepping up for this move. I like it. Uh, I think that Massey will have a, a bit more experience being the veteran guy, but Calvin knows the system, man. He, he's worked with Munchik. He knows what Munchik wants to see out of him, and I think that he's going to bring it during camp. As far as the guard position goes, Glasgow's got to prove that he's healthy. Mooty's got to prove that he's healthy. He's a guy who had serious uh, injury red flags coming out of college, so he has to prove that he can make improvements and be healthy. But Glasgow's he did last guy year, though. That, I would say that. Yeah. It, it, he did. So, so kudos to him. And he played his, he played his ass off, man. He was out there pancaking people left and right, which is 
what we wanted to see. But I think that Glasgow's got to come back. He's got to prove that he can remain healthy, prove that he can play consistent football. You know, having Lloyd Cushenberry be in his second season is definitely going to help because he and Dalton Reisner aren't going to have to, you know, help him out with anything else. So I think that he's just going to be back to, to playing football. As long as that tackle position is set in stone, I think that Glasgow has a decent year, if not a great year, considering the insider information that somebody just gave us about his health. <laughs> Who? That guy Who is a healer. Did somebody, I, I, did somebody tweet something while we were doing the pod or – oh, me. Okay. That, that's intuition. But, no, I can attest, you know, Mario – I mean, I couldn't even walk. Mario got me right. My uh, my my pelvis had a curve in it, so um, he helped me with the sciatica. <laughs> or, or, right? or, sciatica or something or something like that. Uh, bro, yeah, all rough. I did, like, I just rubbed snake oil on it, folks. You know, there's really nothing <laughs> that special about what I do. I got jars of snake oil kind of in the back room. Now, anyway, let's not get bogged down by that. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the same thing, man. You know, the, the the floor versus the ceiling argument. OK, because I think that we see it all over the roster in terms of like what we see on the offense. Like Calvin Anderson, does he have a higher ceiling? Yeah, potentially. We don't really know. But his floor is lower than someone like Massey. Graham Glasgow, his floor is much higher than Moody's right now. But does Moody have a higher ceiling? Potentially, I know guys love Moody. They said he's one of the strongest dudes that they have ever seen that they've ever gone yeah. up against. So it, it kind of depends. Like we're going to see what kind of direction that they're going to take this team because there are safe bets. Okay, Graham Glasgow, like currently, is a safer bet than Moody. Okay, Massey is a safer bet than Calvin Anderson. Melvin Gordon is a safer bet than Javante Williams. Teddy Bridgewater is a safer bet than Drew Locke. So you really do have a lot of battles where it's like. Can these young dudes, young dudes who potentially have a higher ceiling, are they going to be able to break into that stratosphere to the point where they have now realized their potential and now they're starting? Or is the team going to kind of take a step back and say, all right, we're going to we're going to go for the ceiling on a couple of these and go for the floor on a few of these. So that's what I'm most interested to see. And I just want to bring this up really quick because I noticed, Cody, that you got wide receiver one from last year, TP, Tim Patrick, listed as wide receiver three. Now I understand. Wow, I and obviously, obviously there's going to be three wide receiver positions. I think the best thing about what they do and the best thing about the guys that they have in their room, Jerry Judy obviously can play every wide receiver position. Yeah, outside, inside, wherever he needs to be, he did in college. He can do it. Same here. with same with Timmy P. He can do that. Same too. with Tim Badger, and honestly, yeah. the same with Cortland Sutton. Now, you, you don't really want to have Cortland Sutton on the inside because he does his best yeah. work on the outside. And you, could, I you, I mean, you could say the same thing for Tim Patrick. I mean, we call him Timmy Toe Tap, right? Like Tim Patrick is an absolute joy to watch on the sidelines. So that's another interesting. Like that room is so crowded, man. Like the fact that they lost Deshaun Hamilton, which sucks, but. Even if he doesn't get hurt, they had a trade in place for the 49ers. They were ready to kind of cut yeah. ties with Deshaun, and it was something that we had talked about on this podcast, boys, where I really thought that a change of scenery would be best for Deshaun. And honestly, man, like he'll make a recovery, and he'll end up somewhere else. Like a team is going to sign him. Like the dude has plenty of talent to be on an NFL roster. But when you take a guy like that who's you know inconsistent but has made plays for you, you have to feel really good about your room to be willing to trade him and now, you know, you can release him and not say, well, let's hold on to him. You know, he'll be inexpensive. Uh, maybe lurk, work out like some sort of a one-year uh, prove-it deal when he comes back from injury. They feel so secure with their wide receiver room. They don't feel the need to do that. And now I'm, I'm going to backpedal also on something that I said on the podcast. 
I really hope that they find a place for Deontay Spencer. I think he's potentially one of the best return men in this league. The only thing that bothers me is they don't use him on offense. So they're going to have to make the determination if they think that it's worth having strictly a return man or if they're actually going to, you know, draw up plays. You need to write up two, three, four plays every game for a guy like Deontay Spencer. They haven't really shown the propensity to do that. So are we going to see Spencer locked into that return role or maybe he ends up on a team that actually needs a strict returner and then maybe they just move forward with a Mike Boone and Tyree Cleveland kind of splitting the duties. That's, just some, uh, that's another thing to keep an eye on. I, I think for Spencer, uh, for Spencer, he's the best insurance policy for KJ Hamler. And, and when KJ got hurt, especially towards the end of last year, Deontay Spencer was actually playing the KJ Hamler role. Um, and, and this is a big theory that we have to keep an eye on, too. I mean, can KJ Hamler stay healthy this upcoming season? He's got all the talent in the world. Mario, you work on these guys, too. The faster they are, the more prone you are to having some of these soft tissue muscle injuries, a hammy, a quad, a calf, whatever it may be. Uh, and that's really the thing for me with KJ is that can he stay healthy? I know that the Broncos do not want him to return punts or kicks. No. He can do it. They don't want him to because he's a prominent figure on the offense. He, they they view him as See, that, that might be like a. Yeah, that might be a situation where, like, if you need a big return or you, like, need a spark, maybe you throw him back there, but he's not going to be your return man for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting what you brought up, man. He's a compact dude, and I don't think people realize, like, how solid KJ is. KJ is freaking rocked up. Like, there yeah. is nary an ounce of fat on that kid, okay? But the problem with these dudes who are, you know, shorter, kind of stockier in stature – he is wound so tight, and that's why he is so unbelievably fast that we got to do a lot of work with him, make sure that he's coming in consistently, making sure that everything is firing, making sure he's loose, making sure he's in alignment. Because, yeah, someone like that who's a smaller dude, very compact frame, but he's so freaking fast. like He's almost too fast for his own good. We really got to stay on top of stuff like that. It's important. And gentlemen, there's a, you know, the wide receiver position shapes out a lot of ways. I think Denver's got a lot of depth. Seth Williams, Tyree Cleveland's going to bump up to Deshaun's role at this point. And Seth Williams is going to play the role that Tyree played last year so far in our projection. But tight end position, I have it listed Albert Okwebunam as the number two guy, Noah Fant as a starter. And they'll I'll probably a add a guy at some point too. Well, they, they have Eric Saubert right now. They added him. He's former Jacksonville Jaguar, but I think we're going to see Austin fourth this year. I think he's going to work his way. Maybe be that third guy. I, I don't know what you say, but uh, I'm eager to hear what you have to say about that before we get off air here. Who wants to go? Patrick, I know you're go chomping. Ahead, hey, hey, I'll, I'll go. Hey, uh, no, I, I, I agree with Mario. Honestly, I think that they bring someone else in. If sober doesn't work out during camp, Ooh, who are they going to bring in? Tim Tebow hey, is definitely going to get cut, so oh, he will man. be an there's option. Some, there's some options available. There's some veteran options that are available. Let's, let's yeah, Tim down. Tebow is 33. But he is definitely a veteran. Here's here's the deal, though. Austin Fort has yet to remain healthy yeah. enough to survive camp and the, and the preseason to be able to play in an NFL game. I think that he's very talented. I think that he could be a guy that would work in this system. But he's just – he can't get on the field. It was the same thing with Jake Butt, man. Like, couldn't mm-hmm. stay healthy enough to get on the field. We wanted to see what he could do. Couldn't do it. So, there's still – there still are some veteran options out there. But I do think that they'll run with Fant. They'll, they'll have Beck as that H-back, you know, backup tight end guy. And then they'll ease Okawaben on back in. But I think they have to look at the veteran market if they want to. If they don't, there's some guys – uh, there's some undrafted guys right now that are with the team 
that they might transfer over from being a wide receiver to being a tight end. There's some guys, two, six foot five, 210, exactly. 215 pound dudes. There's some guys that they might transfer over from being wide receivers to being tight end. So who knows what it's they might do. It, it isn't really. It's because paying off for other teams, by the way. Right. Because if you don't think that you can, if you don't think that there's a veteran out there that works in your system that you can bring in that, that can work well with this team. And honestly, the, the signs have been pointing to them moving away from having so many tight ends, right? Last year, I think they carried what four or five four. on the yeah, roster at one point. So five uh, of think, backs. right. And I think they're trying to kind of move away from that and go to just using bigger wide receivers, honestly. So who knows? We, we might see some of those undrafted guys be in the well, tight they end signed, room. They signed an undrafted dude. That's the biggest freaking wide receiver I've ever seen. Yeah. And even, even that kid from, from Colorado State, he's he's got great size. Warren Jackson. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, Pat. Try yeah. and keep up, man. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe if you weren't um, so busy playing house and not, you know, hopping on here on the pods, uh, like you wouldn't be so slow to the nah, man. I'm just playing. We all we all love Pat so much. He's so handsome and great. <laughs> I, lo- I love when you compliment me, man. I love it when you compliment me. Wearing the goat, the goat sweatshirt. <laughs> Not only that, but your fridge has been a big topic of discussion, oh, yeah, discussion here on YouTube. So this thing is this thing's more of a celebrity than I. Really quick before yeah. we get off, before like we go off on a tangent, man. Someone needs to explain to me. I know that he wasn't the sexiest dude, but someone needs to explain to me why Nick Vanette was signed last year and then now released. Like, listen, we know what his role is. He's an excellent blocking tight end. He can catch passes if he's given that opportunity. That's not what they asked him to do. Which last year, you know. You had Noah Fan, Albert Okawaben on. Yeah, you don't really need a third pass catching tight end. I get it. But you have a guy that's almost like an extra tackle that you could throw on. It's like, if you don't know who your right tackle is, don't you maybe want to shift the tight end over there and just like help him out a little bit? Like, let's Absolutely. say it is Calvin Anderson. Like, let's say Calvin wins that job. This is going to be, I think, his second full year in the league. And he's going to be out there on an island and he's like has one game under his belt at right tackle. You don't think that maybe you want like a blocking tight end in there just in some situations. So it's just odd that they released him and it kind of speaks volumes. Doesn't it? Like when you see how quickly dudes get picked up after they get released, it's very telling. Mm -hmm. Philip Lindsay signed relatively quickly. Nick Vanette signed faster than Phil Lindsay. I mean, like if I'm not mistaken, and he got the he got the bag too from New Orleans. Bro, they paid him they, decent money. They didn't give him they didn't give him a veteran minimum. Exactly. Like Sean Payton clearly loves Nick Vanette. So why don't we love Nick Vanette? And I, I was like maybe they I, I didn't ask shocked. him to do the right thing, but he was he like was a day dude. later. It was a day after the Broncos released him. He had a new home 24 hours later. Yeah, that is a testament to the kind of player. And it's like, ooh, damn! Like, did we just make a no no? Like when a yeah. team jumps on a dude that fast, it's like, oh, we might have, we might have dropped the ball here a little bit. So anyway, I wanted to get that out just because it's like you got the pass catching tight ends. Yeah. Maybe Noah will be a better blocker. Maybe Albert will be a better blocker. But that's not their forte. We know that, and that's okay. There's only one George Kittle, right? There's only one dude who is a savage blocker and is a thousand plus yard receiver, right? There's one yeah. tight end that can do yeah. that. Travis Kelsey isn't even that isn't even that great of a block. You know, no. Darren Waller doesn't block. So it's okay. I just don't understand. Like maybe they think that Fort can be that guy. I don't know enough about him. We haven't seen him enough. But you have a guy where you had already paid him and it wasn't even really that much. And he fits a need and he fits a role. So I'm very interested to see because there will be a, a third tight end. And like we said, I would be shocked. Like someone's gonna get cut. 
Someone's not going to make it through training camp. And I think that the number three tight end, he is not on the roster right now, and he won't be until September. Bold prediction. Let's see who it is. I mean, that's you want a tight end talk. You come here. You we'll want stupid-ass uh, Drew Locke talk where they just regurgitate the same thing over and over again? Go find some BS on Twitter. It's everywhere. But it's everywhere. Mario, maybe, you, maybe you'll be a tight end for him, Mario. We, we might have to see about that. Because I'm going to I'm gonna have to go do some more curls, man. I'm at a buck 95. Ain't no, ain't no way tight ends weighing a buck 95 at 5'10". I'm what do you like think a, 33-year-old Tim Tebow has been I'm built like a kicker, dog. Well, yeah, I would probably be a better, <laughs> I'd probably be a better tight end than Tim Tebow. But you that's would like, be. Like, I would be a better quarterback than Tim Tebow, too. So what are we talking about? Hey, man, all you need is an opportunity. But, hey, gentlemen, thank you so much for jumping on today's episode Lockdown Broncos here on YouTube and on the audio platforms, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Apple Podcasts, and the Odyssey app. Thank you so much for checking us out. On behalf of my good friends Patrick Kiyote and Mario Batanzi, I'm Cody Work. We'll see you next time for a brand-new episode of the show.